This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 1994. I'm your host, Jeff Alton, the Day Game Hunter, and welcome. I spend time daily, I have for years now, talking with you about different elements of job search because I believe it doesn't have to be as hard, difficult, painful, or take as long as it does for so many of you. It's just a different skill set to find a job than do a job. Now, today I'm releasing an interview that I did with Frank Blake, and we're going to talk about interviewing the right way. And he has a different perspective on it that will serve some of you better than my way of doing it. So I want to offer you a different piece of advice. And I also want to mention that probably about nine minutes into the interview, we had a a quick blip on the recording and had to do an edit. And the connection you know, it's not like we went from that first sentence to the next sentence smoothly. You'll probably notice it in the recording. So don't sweat it. The content is really good. I do hope you find it helpful, and we'll be back in just one moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So my guest today is Frank Blake, who's an interview coach and instructor with Jobology, which you can find, by the way, at myjobology.com. Frank has worked in corporate America for years, and uh, I like to make sure that you hear a different voice about different things from time to time. And here we're going to be talking about interviewing, uh, because I know I have strong opinions about it. Frank and I have promised that we're going to go into a grudge match at some point in this show. Just kidding, just kidding. Frank, welcome. Thanks for making time to, to be available for everyone today. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. I begin by saying I'm a longtime fan of your show. I know maybe now or soon you're coming up on your 10-year anniversary and 2,000th episode. So congratulations on that. And uh, Thank you. Thank you. I took my hat off to me as well. It's it's really impressive. And again, I've been a, a big fan of the show. As you mentioned, I've been in corporate America for over 16 years. And it was through that time uh, in corporate America and just thousands and thousands of interviews and being either interviewing folks to join my team or me interviewing for different jobs. Uh, you know, I, I observed a couple of things along the way. Those things that I observed along the way really um, built the foundation of this interview prep class that I've been teaching now for the better part of a decade. And Jeff, I've been teaching it at Uh, Big companies, small companies, startups, schools, universities, nonprofits, you name it. I've been teaching this class for 10 years. It's a subject that I'm incredibly passionate about. Uh, I think that I've been fortunate enough to be able to help a lot of folks in their job search process through getting them ready for an interview. Uh, and, And it's really not until recently that I was convinced to go into a studio, record the class and make it available online for anybody to, uh, to access. And so that's how I got to uh, Jobology. And I'm excited to be here and, and tell you and your listeners all about it. So I remember when we were talking, originally, 
you started thinking about doing this as you were talking to people who were interviewing for roles internally, mm -hmm. and they would just think up the joint. And, you know, they walk into interviews, perfectly qualified, couldn't deliver the goods, walked out feeling frustrated. And my recollection is you've adapted this for people who are actually looking for jobs, not just simply internally, but externally as well. Do I have that right? No, absolutely. So I've developed a framework that I think uh, and know can assist any different type of job seeker, whether it's that you're looking for an internal promotion, whether you're a new graduate looking for your first job or anything in between re-entering the workforce. The framework that I lay out in this class really just helps people think about the interview process a little bit differently. It helps them organize their thoughts to present the best foot forward in the interview questions. And then it gives you some tips and tricks and drills so that you can go into the interview really confident to put your best foot forward. Excellent. So how does the framework start? Notice he uses framework as a term. I use framework as a term. Well, I knew, I mean, Jeff, look, I know we're, we're very aligned. And if it's a slug match, A, I know you're going to win. And B, I think we'll have more things that we agree on than disagree on. But I think, you know, if I start all the way at the beginning, here's what I would say. And the first thing is that it's my opinion that the interview process is a flawed process. It's not a perfect market. If it were a perfect market and a perfect process, then every time the best and most qualified candidate would get the role and you would never end up in a scenario where the best candidates don't get the role or the worst candidates do get the role. But unfortunately, what I've observed over the years in a variety of different organizations is that how well you can actually do the job doesn't always correlate to interview success and therefore getting the offer and opportunity. And so, for example, part of where this class came from is I would have folks that worked for me on my team that I'd be developing to take the next step in their career. And I would know with 100% certainty that they'd be excellent uh, candidates for promotion and could do the next job really, really well. But then when they got to the interview table during that one crucial hour, they fell on their face, they tripped over their feet or something didn't go well, they didn't present the information correctly or appropriately and they weren't afforded the opportunity. And then Jeff, on the flip side of that, I would have openings on my team, people would come and interview with me they would sound great. It would be a great sounding interview. So I'd give them a chance. And then I'd be disappointed to learn that, you know, sometimes sounding great in an interview doesn't always mean that you're going to be great in the job. And so I, I kind of began this coaching of interview skill preparation journey by realizing that it's, it's a little bit of a flawed process. And that because of that, for lack of a better term, you can game the system and learn some tips and tricks on how to get ready for the interview so that you can put your best foot forward. Ooh, we're going to start talking about secrets. <laughs> Gaming the system. Yeah, so look, I don't know how much these are real secrets uh, versus just different ways to think about things. But, uh, you know, look, the, the class that I've put online at myjobology.com, it's about an hour long. There are four different classes that you can go through. And the first one is a good 25 minutes of just general thoughts to get you in the right frame of mind. And one thing that I always like to tell folks, and look, whether this is a secret or not, you know, it's my opinion that as the interviewer, if I have an open job on my team, well, what do I really have? Okay, I, I don't have an open job. I don't have the opportunity to give you more money. 
I don't have all, you know, the, the chances to make your dreams come true. What I really have is a problem. So I have a problem. If I have an open spot on my team, that could be a business that doesn't have a leader. It could be a team that's missing their manager. It could be a role that's not getting performed. Until I get someone in that spot, I really have a big problem and an issue. And as the interviewee, if you approach the situation as you are there to solve my problem, well, Jeff, all of a sudden that switches the power dynamic. And that puts the interviewee in the position of power saying, look, I'm going to do the best I can to organize my thoughts so that I can show to this person that I really am the best fit to solve their problem. And it's little things like that. I mean, look, we get into more meat of the subject in the subsequent lectures, but it's little things like that that I think give candidates a, a real advantage. Agreed, because folks, you know, you look at job descriptions and it outlines a bunch of required skills, what they're gonna have you doing. It's, it's got some wonderful manure about what a great and wonderful firm they are. Just remember, someone quit you know, from this great and wonderful firm to open up that vacancy. It's not all that often that it's about, we've created 4,000 positions just like you, and we're trying to hire. No, someone's left the job. So there's obviously flaws there, just like there are with you and your abilities for this role. You're never going to be the perfect fit for these jobs. You're going to be good enough. And it's a question of how close you are. So understanding that there's a problem that needs resolution changes the power dynamic from we have all the information to you're down below. We want to bring this up to a level where you're at an equal level and you're there as the consultant, in effect, walking in to try and solve the problem. No, that's really well said, Jeff. And I think, you know, the other way I look at it is, look, I can't help you become qualified for the job. And I can't substitute 15 years of career experience that'll help you be successful. But what I can do in one hour is show you some efficient ways to organize your thoughts so that when you answer the interview questions, some of which we know are going to be asked, you can be really well prepared ahead of time. And one of the philosophies that I, that I talk about in the class is uh, confidence through preparation. And just by going through the process, spending an hour getting ready, I'll tell you, I've seen more candidates and students take this class that come out of it so incredibly confident. Now, have I changed their work experience? Not at all. Have I changed the history that they have in their career field? Not one bit. But what I have been able to do is through forming their thoughts and, and answers to the questions, I've given them a ton of additional confidence in themselves. And I'll tell you just a personal story from my background. This, this became obvious to me at one point a long, long time ago. I had my first big promotional interview and I flew into a city and I go check into the hotel straight from the airport. And as I'm checking into the hotel, who do I see there in the lobby but a guy that I know? And, and he and I have worked together. So, so we check into the hotel. Uh, you can imagine he and I are now both interviewing for the same job. It's fairly obvious. But because we're friends and we're collegiate, I say to the gentleman, hey, why don't we meet in the lobby, grab a beer, and we'll go over some of our prep questions. So I check in, I go to the lobby, and I pull out this big, thick binder of all of the preparation work that I've been doing, all the practice questions that I've been going through. And immediately the guy looks at me and he goes, well, well, who, who told you to do all this? And I said, look, man, nobody told me to do this, but when my career is on the line and my family is counting on me to put food on the table, I'm not going to take it by chance. And I'm not going to shoot by the hip, shoot from the hip. And I'm, I'm going to really 
put in the time to prepare for it. And immediately his confidence level sank to the basement. And I became incredibly confident that I'd been working harder than anybody else. And as a result, it's no surprise who got the job. And so I, one of the things I really believe in is confidence through preparation. There's an old saying, I'm going to edit one of the P's in this phrase, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. And I'll tell you one thing in teaching this class, again, I've taught it at schools, universities, big companies, small companies. One thing I've learned is that typically speaking, everybody wants to win. There are very few people out there that will admit to you, yeah, I'm okay losing. I just want to lose. I mean, everybody wants to win but not everybody's willing to prepare to win. And the difference is the folks that are willing to put in the preparation, those are the ones that ultimately win the game. So often uh, we look at professional athletes, uh, we look at entertainers, and we forget the countless hours they spend in practice before they get in the game. You know, entertainers have coaches in rehearse and they spend thousands and thousands of hours rehearsing lines or practicing song after song, training their voice for the performance. And athletes, you know, whether it's LeBron James of this era or Michael Jordan of a previous one, just all the moves that they practice and all the shots that they've taken off hours and all the thought that goes into it, they're professional and they act like professionals. They don't, they don't do it halfway. And folks, if you go into interviews and you win it, you're an amateur. And you deserve to have your lunch eaten by someone. No, it's a great analogy, Jeff. And I'll tell you, it's a, another way to think about this class on myjobology.com is it's the practice gym for the interview, right? So I'm going to give you some practice questions. There's a free workbook that you can download and use to help organize your thoughts. And it really is that sort of practice gym mentality before you have the big game coming up. And, uh, and look, it's been really successful, especially, you know, I, I should mention, um, because of COVID-19 this year, it was really the, um, the, the catalyst for recording the class. And so I used to teach this live and in person. Um, when travel stopped, I wasn't able to do that anymore. But also, we had a ton of new, newly jobless folks. So a lot of layoffs, a lot of furloughs, a lot of people in the COVID environment looking for work. And so my ability to travel went down. The number of people who needed the course went way up. And then the other thing is, you know, the, the interviews that are out there are sometimes fewer and farther between. And so if you do get the call to get your big interview, it's worth it to make the investment to make sure that it pays off by spending a little bit of time in the practice gym. You don't get a second shot, folks. It's one shot to win it. And then you have to repeat it a couple of times with other people. So just remember, when you have that chance, whether it's during pandemics, uh, typical run-of-the-mill recessions, or good times, you're always competing. There's someone there who wants that opportunity too. And how do you stand out? So we've got two things covered so far. You know, confidence through preparation. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, identifying that a hiring manager has a problem and that there's confidence through preparation. What's next? 
Yeah, so in, in the class, um, the, the next lecture, we go really deep into question number one. And I don't want to spoil too much of it, but I know you're well-versed in the industry. Most of your listeners probably already know what question number one is. But the way that I frame it up is this. What if you knew on the one day when it mattered the most, when your career was on the line, that the very first question you get a, you already know what it's going to be, so you can prepare your answer ahead of time. And B, you happen to be the world's foremost expert on that subject. There is no easier softball question for me to give to you for you to hit a grand slam home run out of the park than question number one. Unfortunately, not everybody recognizes that and, and the answers are lackluster. And so in the class, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of a preview. I talk about the two different kinds of answers to question number one. And when I say question one, what I'm referring to is some version of who the heck are you? Now, it can be something formal, tell me the aspects of your education, background, experience relevant to the position, or it can be more conversational like, hey, nice to meet you, let's get to know each other. But somehow the essence of question number one is almost always who the heck are you? And the two versions of the answer that we get uh, the, the first is what I call the Forrest Gump. And everybody out there has probably seen the movie. It's about a sort of bumbling fellow who's wandering his way through life. And it's not really linear, doesn't really make a ton of sense, but it's just a series of mishaps and, and adventures and wins. And it's this winding path through life that life is like a box of chocolates. And First, I was in Alabama, and I had braces on my legs. Then I met Jenny. Then I had to go to Vietnam. Then I played ping pong. Then I caught shrimp. And you're just sort of all over the place, and you have no idea what's coming next, nor do you really understand why or how to make sense of it. That's a lot of what I get for the answer to question number one. When I interview people, is sort of this rambling, nonlinear Forrest Gump-type journey throughout their life. And that's the first kind of answer. The, the, the other type of answer or the other way that you can answer question number one is what I call the logical march to victory. Or if we stay with our sports analogy here, it's your highlight reel. I don't need to see the whole game. I don't need to know where you fumbled or where you ran out of time or had a penalty. Don't give me every single play of the game. Just string together your highlights and show me that you're on this logical march to victory where the only next logical step is we finish whatever this interview process is here that we're doing, and you're awarded the position that you're interviewing for. Interesting choice of terms, and I like it. How long should an answer be? It's a great question. And so, you know, I think that interviewing, again, if we stick with our sports thing, there is a little bit of clock management. And so you need to know how long is the interview, how many questions are we anticipating, and, and thinking how long should the question be. Here's what I will tell you, and this is what I tell the students in the class. Um, in the interview process, it is very natural to be nervous. The nerves mean that you care. The nerves mean that you're excited and you care about this. But usually in life, there are two types of people and how they respond to nervousness. Type number one, they completely clam up and it's hard to get words out of them. It's hard to get them to talk and you got to pull every answer out of them because when they get nervous, they just completely clam up. Type number two is the opposite. And they just ramble, 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 ramble. And you get a lot of what I call mouth noise. And so I think my first advice to all of the students is, look, take a, take a little bit of a, of a reflection and think to yourself, 
who are you when you get nervous? Are you more likely to clam up? So you need to really think through how to prevent or pr provide the information that you need to, or are you more likely to ramble? And so you have to be reining yourself in a little bit. And so that's the first thing I would say, which of those types of people are you? And then the other one, I, 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 and this is just personal frank opinion, and this is where the slugfest can begin, Jeff. But I say, I say, look, if you're going to go long on one answer, let it be the one that you know is coming and let it be the one where you know you're the expert because you can use a little bit of human psychology to your advantage. And there's, there's what people call the halo effect or the recency bias. And if your question to answer number one is so wired tight and awesome, you've made a great first impression right out of the gate. Well, maybe they give you the benefit of the doubt on the rest of the questions of the interview. And so my advice to everybody is know how you react under stress. Do you clam up or do you ramble? And then if you're going to go along on one question, let it be question number one, not too long, but let it be a little bit longer than your others, because if you really hit it out of the park, it could give you a halo effect or recency bias for the rest of the questions. I tell people generally a minute to a minute 15 as a timeline. You may have a different attitude because they're basically you know, telling their life story in the answer. To me, a minute 15 is about the limit of attention span that we have these days. So it doesn't mean that you, you do a Joe Biden and go, oh, it's a minute 15, that's the end of my time. Yeah. <laughs> no, what it is is that you're, you're in there giving them value. And my version of the answer is, you know, 20 to 25 seconds of overview mm -hmm. for what your background is. And then a bridge phrase that, that says, but what's probably most relevant to my background for this role mm -hmm. is my experience with, and then the rest of your time yeah. connects the dots for them about how your background fits this. And people tell me that when they hear that bridge phrase, yeah. they notice managers give them the Scooby-Doo moment of, Ugh? <laughs> of their ears perking up yeah. uh, and they start really listening intently to the next thing because what you're doing is telling them what you've done that relates to the job and solves the problem that they have. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing that goes with that is I always like to encourage the students and candidates, look, it's one thing to say what you've done but it's another thing to say what skills or knowledge and abilities you picked up along the way, right? And someone once described a career to me as a, a journey of solving more complex problems or a journey of picking up skill sets along the way. And so don't just tell me that you were a janitor. Tell me what you learned while you were a janitor. Tell me what you, what, what you took from that experience that to your point is relevant to this role. And, and I would just mention to the audience uh, when I teach these classes live, I tell every single student, you know what the question is going to be. So write down your answer, write it down, practice it, time it, see how it sounds, see how it feels. Inevitably out of a class of a hundred, I'll have 10 people actually do that because it's hard work. It takes time, but those are the 10 people that are going to differentiate themselves. And on the website, there's a free workbook that you can download. It's totally free. And it just gives you a little bit of a framework to help you organize those thoughts for your answer to question number one. And folks, these days, with so much being done on camera, one of the fun things about writing it down in advance is you can position it on your monitor. Obviously, you can't do it on your phone, but you can do it with a, a monitor or an iPad and have it there to read off of as long as it doesn't look like you're reading. 
So you just position it to the left or to the right of the camera and you just start going with your answer. It's a breeze at that point. Now you have to rehearse how you deliver the lines. You cannot make it seem like, oh, my name is Frank Blake. I am a robot reading on the screen. You have to make it seem interesting and lively, just like an actor does. Because remember, you are a performer. (laughs) So you you mentioned being on camera. I'll say in the class also, we have a lot of tips and tricks for phone interviews. So what kind of different things can you do if you know you're interviewing over telephone? What kind of different things should you consider if it's a virtual interview over Zoom or some camera-based web system? So there's certain things to consider for that. I also go into a subject in which I'm very, very passionate about, which is body language. And so I've studied a lot of body language over the years. I really do believe that it's a, a hidden language, especially in the interview process. And so I I talk about ways that you can use that hidden language to your advantage and things that you should be aware of that could potentially uh, negatively impact your chances. So the the course is filled with all sorts of weird little tidbits like that along the way. Um, And and I think we've, we've had a lot of success over the years, especially just in the last six months. We get my favorite emails to get are people that take the class and say, hey, Frank, thanks for that. I land in my dream job and I owe it all to you. Give me an example of bad body language that uh, you've seen way too often. Sure. So, I mean, I I think the classic is the folded arms, right? So folded arms is the universal sign that I'm closed off. I'm closed minded. I'm not listening. And the problem is folded arms is sometimes very comforting. If you're nervous, if you're, if you're uncomfortable, you fold your arms because it's kind of a sort of protecting yourself thing, but it's the universal body language sign for I am not listening to you. And it immediately sets a tone of, you know, I'm, I'm closed off to what's happening here and I'm not comfortable. And it, it sends a lot of negative subliminal messages to the interviewer. On the flip side, and this is something you'll see in politics, public speaking, you name it, Uh, The universal sign of comfort, confidence, and dominance is what's called steepling. And so when people are steepling, it's this is my power position. It's my base of power, whether it's the full steeple with all my fingers together like this or a single steeple with just my two index fingers together. If I'm speaking to you from this position, it generally means I'm speaking about something I'm very confident. And now I know that because I studied from one of the greatest body language experts in the world, Jan Hargrave. And Jan's written hundreds of books on body language for every different situation. Interviewing, uh, the jury selection, dating, you name it, she's written a body language book on it. And she taught me about steepling. And now that I know that, if someone is steepling unconsciously, I, I feel like, okay, they're really confident in whatever they're speaking about right now. And I know that. And it gives me a little bit of a hidden advantage. And I'm going to point out the the, um, mistake example of arms folded. Uh, And I'm going to speak to women here. I know sometimes you get cold. The air conditioning is too high. And you are trying to warm yourself up. So the typical answer is the male-oriented answer, which is show me, prove it to me. Oh, yeah. And things along those lines. But sometimes it's just as obvious as I'm cold. And, and, And there's no doubt that that's what's causing a candidate to clo- to cross their arms they might just be cold and that's totally you know understandable 
The challenge is in the interviewer's mind, it could be sending the wrong message unintentionally. And it's just good to know those things. Yeah. Um, interviewers have a pretty simple playbook. <laughs> and once you understand the playbook, it doesn't have to be right or wrong. It's the playbook. And they look for things like that going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and um, it sends a message unintentionally. So we're yeah. at a point now where we're talking about body language, going a little bit deeper. We've answered, tell me about yourself or walk me through your background or tell me your life story in 20 words or less. Right, or right. Some version of those questions. Yeah. What happens next in the way you teach? Yeah, so then I go through what I call questions two through eight. And that's just assuming that you get eight questions. Not every interview is that long. But I talk about um, an exercise that you can do that is something I've been teaching folks for a decade plus, how to organize your thoughts to be ready to answer those questions really, really well, regardless of what the subject is. The exercise that I show people in the class just helps you be ready no matter what comes at you. And then I tell you about a couple of different types of questions that you'll get and how you would answer each different type differently. And, um, and that's really the, the meat of the middle of the class, right? It's what exercises can you do to be ready regardless of the question that comes? And then what types of questions may come your way and how would you answer them differently? And in the, the formatting, are you teaching like the STAR acronym or, or something else as part of helping people prepare? Yeah, so, um, so the answer is yes. Uh, and it depends, right? And so I'll just give you a quick example. I don't want to ruin the whole, uh, the whole no, magic we, of the class. But no, we don't want to ruin the movie. You got to no, watch no, the movie know, in mean, entirety. So you, you still want to go see the movie. I will mention, Jeff, that for your listeners, uh, on the website, we created a special coupon code for a 50% off discount if they want to take the class. The coupon code, you enter it in at checkout, and it's very simply all, ca um, all lowercase, no space, N-O-B-S, no B-S. So put in no BS at the checkout and you get 50% off the class. And part of what you'll learn in it is, look, the, the star situation task action result or situation action result, that works really well for experiential questions. Tell me about a time. Jeff, tell me about a time when you had to do X. Perfect time for situation action result. The, the challenge is if I ask you a, a, a different type of question like, Jeff, what would you do if? what would you do if A, B, and C? Well, if I ask you that question and you give me something you've already done, well, then you violated rule number one, which is answer the question because you're sort of going in a different direction. And so we talk about situation, action, result, when to use it, but also when not to use it. Excellent. And how do you have people wrap up the interview? Yep. So, so then we, we talk about um, the, the number one question that I get asked when I teach this class is, Frank, what is a good question to ask at the end of the interview? And um, I have my personal opinions on it. Again, this is just Frank 101 after doing thousands of interviews. But I, I end the fourth lecture of the class with how to tie it together and um, also what questions I think are appropriate to ask at the end of the interview and which ones I would avoid. And I think that um, I know I've listened to a lot of your shows in the past. I know you, you have opinions on this also, but I, I think, um, look, I, I, in, you mentioned that the interviewer has a playbook, 
okay? At the end of the interview, as the interviewer, I have asked you my series of questions. I've made my notes and we're pretty much wrapping it up. There are some things that we should talk about because it's important, but there are a lot of things that really at this point are not important. And I go through all of those in the class. Excellent. Could you give one example of either a do or a don't uh, for the end? No, absolutely. So I think for me, one of the most important things is that it's appropriate for the candidate to understand the timeline and the process. So I think it's very reasonable for a candidate to say, yes, thank you for the time. I do have one question. You know, what kind of timeline are you looking at? Are you looking to make a decision soon? Are you the hiring decider, et cetera? And, and that's a very good thing because it helps you understand your timeline as the candidate as you're balancing multiple interviews. So totally reasonable, totally makes sense. I will say also there are some formats, especially on the West Coast. Now you're talking Silicon Valley, dot-com startups. There are a lot of formats where the candidate or the, the interviewer wants to know what kind of questions you're going to ask. They want to hear your questioning mindset. And in that regard, I think it's great to go back to you know, company values. Hey, what's, what's, what makes this company special? What, what really makes the people here tick? What gets folks fired up here, right? Talking about the values, the mission, and then maybe a little bit about the problem. So we talked about solving the problem. Like, hey, so what, you know, what is it that this role really needs to deliver for you? What's the problem that, that I'd be solving for you? Those are good questions, especially in a West Coast type format. The ones that drive me crazy are ones where the candidate is trying to prove how smart they are by asking what they think are smart questions at the end of an already long interview. So I may have made up my decision. Candidly, I've already decided if I think you're smart or not smart based on the answers to the questions. And then I say, okay, look, thanks for the time. This has been really great. Anything I can answer for you? And they say, oh yes, Frank, as a matter of fact, you know, I've been looking at recent Chinese import tariffs. And when I think about multilateral trade negotiations, when you consider, uh, you know, Pacific, stability, rationales, et cetera. What do you think about the tea in China? And I said, look, okay. I, the, that I, we, what is that about? Like, what do you, you, you're just trying to prove that you're very smart and I'm not really interested in that at this point. So that's an example. Thank you. And, and I must say folks, Frank is delightful and, and the material he teaches is really very good. We differ about certain things. Sure. My content is going to be on his site shortly, yeah. uh, but he's got a model that also works very well. So how can people find out more about you, the course, what have you? I know you mentioned the link. And by the way, it's not an affiliate link, folks. I'm not making any money on this. This is, you know, he's doing this giving you 50% off on the course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they can check out the website. It's myjobology.com. You can learn more about me. You can um, get the workbook for free. You can take the first lecture if you just want to test drive it, or you can get the whole class. And again, your coupon code works for any of that. But the other thing I would mention, what you'll learn in my bio there is that prior to my 16 years in corporate America, I was in the U.S. Army. And, and not a lot of interviewing necessarily in the U.S. Army and military service as we would think about it in the professional world. But what I am very passionate about, really the main reason why I decided to put the class on the, on the web like this, is to help veterans that are transitioning into the workforce. And so if you're out there, if you served our country, if you're a veteran, you can email us at myjobology at gmail.com. 
and just include in the subject or uh, in the body of the email the word veteran, and we will respond to you with a coupon code that will give you the class for free. Because uh, I, I personally have a lot of experience with my friends and peers transitioning from the military world to the civilian world. I know how difficult it can be and anything I can do to help with that is really why we went about this whole journey. And so if you're a veteran out there, you can email us, we'll get you a free code for the class. If you're another nonprofit and you'd like to partner together, whether it's in sort of prison ministries or workplace uh, reform, all sorts of nonprofits out there, send us an email, we'd love to partner with you too. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few ways to optimize your job search and get better results. First of all, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog and go exploring. There's just a lot there to help you in the blog. And if you want to take my class on interviewing, it's called the Ultimate Job Interview Framework. It's available on Udemy. Uh, it's U-D-E-M-Y. Or you can just use this link, thebiggamehunter.us forward slash interviews and order my class there. It's very inexpensive. Like, 12 bucks if you're a new Udemy user, 19.99 if you're an existing one. In addition, it's now available as a Kindle book or as a paperback on Amazon. You can order the book there if you prefer a different format. And as a paperback, I think it's 6.99, as a Kindle book it's 2.99. So again, very inexpensive. Obviously, I'd love to help you with coaching. At my website, you can schedule time for coaching with me or schedule a free discovery call. And if you just have a couple of questions for me, go to thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live and you can schedule 15 minutes with me or thebiggamehunter.us forward slash interviews. And what you're able to do is um, ask a question and get a response back with a three to five minute video. I'll be back soon with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be great!